We had a sermon on how that the early church just was generous and everybody was giving as there was a need and they were sharing. And then we um, had another sermon in Acts about giving and Ananias and Sapphira and how that deception tried to come in. It wasn't about what they had to give because there was no mandatory gift, but they were trying to give um, the impression and that they were giving all. And the Lord just gave a Holy Spirit moment of calling out sin, that sin could not, that deception was not part of God's holy ways and how that could have hurt the church. So we really need to be honest about things. And the Lord is healing us of selfishness, actually. As we've been singing, it was like, oh, what's he healing us of? He's healing us of selfishness, and he's helping us to learn how to live as kingdom ambassadors, as kingdom representatives, trusting his love and his resources for us. Now, last week, we talked about tithing. You remember that sermon, some of you maybe? Yes? Yeah, we left smiling. That was a good thing. I I saw many people smiling. And um, we talked about, is it for today? Is it for now? And um, the answer to that was, yes. Just wanted to make sure you were listening. Um, All right, so um, tithing is for today. And then today we're talking about cheerful, faith-filled giving. So that's where we are giving. I'm just going to do just a little recap. Um, It didn't, for whatever reason, a little problem glitch. We didn't get recorded last week. So I'm just going to give a little recap of last week's sermon um, to hit the high points. Giving is a kingdom matter and it's a heart matter. Remember when we're um, giving our tithes, our 10%, it's actually declaring Jesus is Lord. And it's a heart matter. It's stewarding. God's um, resources. It's not owning it, but it's recognizing that actually everything is the Lord's. And we've just been given this great opportunity to steward, and it's a way of showing people the goodness of God and his kingdom. The purpose of tithes was to honor the king. Remember, it was before pre-law. It was before the commandments, but it was, first of all, when Abraham um, had a a battle that he won, and he brought 10% to the priest. And so it was a way of saying, um, God is king, right? So every time we give a tithe, every time we give a tithe to the church, it's saying God is king. Everything belongs to him. And so we honor the king. It's also a way that the Lord has um, designed for us to support his um, people that are called into um, service on a full-time basis, religious workers, support celebrations, which also... As the church gathered, they were rehearsing the goodness of God. It was discipleship, really, was what all those feasts and celebrations were about. And then care for the orphans, the foreigners, the widows. It was about his justice and kindness. And so those were the purposes of tithes. And in Malachi, which was last week's passage, he said this. He said um, there was this dialogue, remember, between the people and um, the prophet and said, Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and in offerings was his answer. And so today we're going to talk more about offerings. Tithes is the 10% given right off the top of whatever the Lord entrusts into your care. And then offerings is above and beyond that, giving for God's purposes in the church, near and far. And so in the church, outside of the church, as needs arise, those are the offerings above and beyond. 
And so the Lord loves cheerful givers. And we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 to 15 this morning. So 2 Corinthians, it's in the New Testament. If you need to use your table of contents, go ahead. Or does somebody have a page number? 1801. All right, page 1801 if you're using the Bible in your chair. So 2 Corinthians 9, 1800. Okay. All right, so we're looking at chapter 9, verses 6 to 15. And so I'll read that now. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly, or under compulsion, which means pressure or arm-twisting. For God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them And with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. This is the word of the Lord. Now I want to start with a story. And um, there once upon a time was a sweet little girl and a sweet little boy. And they went to church every Sunday. Their parents took them to church. And um, the little boy was in the nursery, and they had graham crackers for snacks. But the little girl was in children's worship. And at that particular church, they got a little baggie of snacks. And sometimes it was gummy worms. Sometimes it was Swedish fish. Sometimes it was Oreo cookies. Um, Sometimes it was pretzels for those that like salty snacks. But um, anyway, there was a little baggie of snacks. Well, the little girl saved her treat every week. And on the way home from church, the little girl shared her treat with her little brother. What do you think that did to the parents' hearts? (sighs) I'm telling you because I'm the mom. All right. When I saw my daughter sharing with her brother, it was like 
our daughter could have asked for anything, and I probably would have given it to her because it was just like you want to encourage and bless this sharing, right? Because don't, like a lot of times we fight and we are selfish. And when there was this generosity and cheerful generosity at that, you just want to say, yes, I want to give you more because you will be generous with more people. Her teacher, too, like when she started finding out that Kaylee, she would say, why aren't you eating your snack? She'd say, I'm saving it for my brother. Then she started getting two little bags so that she could take one to her brother. So anyway, I think that is an illustration of what this scripture is really about, which is about generosity, about giving, and about God, how he delights to see his children sharing among each other. And you could say that maybe there wasn't such a need for food, but actually for little kids, they need to be fed quite regularly. And so I think it does illustrate that. Now, the Jerusalem church, let me tell you the backdrop on this passage of scripture that we read from 2 Corinthians. Um, Paul is trying to recruit churches to give an offering for the Jerusalem church. Well, who is the Jerusalem church? They actually were the original um, church that um, coming out of um, um, the Jewish faith, they believed that Jesus was the Messiah. All right, but they encountered immediately when they believed that um, their Jewish brothers and sisters started to um, push them away. Maybe their businesses closed because they didn't get business anymore. They were cut off from their um, families, and family was a lot of your financial security and your community. And so they were really struggling. And so Paul had gone on these missionary journeys, and I don't know. Um, I've got a picture on the next slide to show you the missionary journey. But he had gone to these various churches, and God put it on Paul's heart that to take an offering for the churches to give above and beyond their ties to their local church to go and help support what was happening their brothers and sisters in the Jerusalem church where they were struggling just to make the daily needs of life. And so um, Paul's heart of love, and even as we were singing this morning, it was like... Like, I was thinking about this. A missionary who usually is concerned about their own support and living is trying to mobilize people to give offerings back to the home church, the sending church. Isn't that amazing? All right, so what could we learn? And if you wanted, and it would be a great thing to do this afternoon, is to look at this Second Corinthians and go back and read chapter 8. And then nine together. But you'll hear about these different churches. And I think, what could we learn from the backstory of this? What could we learn about the churches? Because he's trying to recruit offerings from the church at Corinth, the church of the Macedonian churches, and to, um, again, to be given to the Jerusalem church. Well, let me tell you a little bit about these churches. The church at Corinth was doing pretty well. They were excelling. Scripture says, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness of love. If you remember, the church at Corinth was really blessed with graces of some miraculous gifts. Um, They were seeing healings regularly. People were speaking in tongues, having interpretation. Um, Miracles were happening there. And Paul said, see also that you excel in this grace of giving. Have you ever thought that giving 
was a spiritual gift? Have you ever really thought about that it's just as spiritual to put money in a plate as it is to give up, get up and give some great prophetic exhortation? This is a spiritual matter when what we do with our money. And so I think the Lord would have us to learn that, that giving finances is an act of grace. It's a spiritual matter. Also, the church at Corinth had said they were really excited when they heard about this. They're like, yeah, we're on board. We're down with that. We give a pledge. But then it had been like almost a full year, and they hadn't come through with their money yet. And so I think that for us, there's something else we could learn here is that if we say we're going to give to a, a cause, go ahead and keep your word and do that. Don't have to be somebody that has to have somebody come back and remind you, but actually follow through with that. Give willingly. Paul tells them, give according to your means. And so he's saying, don't short yourself necessarily, but give according to how it's how you can give and what the Lord has put on your heart to give. All right? So he says that. And then there's also, he appoints people from the poor church, the Macedonian churches, to go and collect the, um, the offering from the Corinth church. And from that, we can learn that it's really important to be careful about handling money and to not give any opportunity for any allegations about misuse. And so that's why we have two counters for the offering, How, why we watch carefully what's recorded and how it's transported. Very, very important because um, these are God's resources, and we want to be real careful with them. All right, now um, I want to talk about the churches in Macedonia. They were, they were poor churches, and um, yet it says this. It says, in the midst of a severe trial... Their overflowing joy and extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. All right, did you catch that? In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Second Corinthians 8, verse 2. And so, have you ever thought about that when life is hard in your church that you could be overflowing with joy at the same time, and that that might be a ripe time to take an offering? That's kind of crazy, isn't it? And yet, look at what the Holy Spirit did. The Holy Spirit caused them to have hearts that just, they were like, oh, our brothers and sisters over there in Jerusalem are struggling. We want to give. And they gave beyond their means. Now, the Lord didn't tell us all that we have to give beyond our means, but he certainly lifts that up and says, this is a model church. Have you ever thought that a poor church could be a model church in giving? When we read and hear about these various churches, some with great spiritual gifts and maybe more resources financially, and maybe others that are struggling financially, and yet they could be a model. And then we hear about the Jerusalem church that um, had a lot of spiritual authority, but yet, for whatever reason, the Lord allowed them to struggle financially. When we read and we listen to that, we could start to kind of associate, like, I don't know when you read, but you kind of start to see yourself as like, oh, this is talking about me, or this applies to us. 
And actually, at different times in our church's history, I think that probably we could identify with maybe each one of these churches. And there's a lesson for us in, from each one of these churches. Now, um, the church in Jerusalem, it takes humility to let your needs be known. Their needs were not going to get met if they didn't let their needs be known. And also that no church has it all. No church has it all. They were not exempt from struggling and suffering, even though they were kind of the, the authority position, the place from which the other churches were being um, commissioned, birthed, sent, um, acknowledged. This also gave an opportunity for cross-cultural ministry and relationships. So on that, um, on this, I wish I had my pointer with me, but down to the bottom right is where Jerusalem was. And then you see Corinth is kind of um, that part that hangs down on the left. That peninsula there is Corinth. And then the Macedonian churches are up here. So there's different cultures. And, um, and the Lord actually was bringing unity to the body of Christ through this offering and through this love expression. He was helping build bridges between people, um, not only in Christ, but through the tangible giving of finances that there was actually building relationship between. So it's really a beautiful thing that the Lord did. So God's kingdom design is that we're an interrelated system of supply and support for one another. And so, um, as I just mentioned, we can vary by location, by race, by culture, by style of worship. And yet, if Jesus is Lord in our lives, and that's who the church is proclaiming is Jesus is Lord, then we're one in him. And what do we do? We need to listen and sympathize with the struggle that each of our brothers and sisters are having. We don't just, I think so often we're individualistic in our culture. We think about ourselves, and then maybe we think about our own congregation. But to think about the broader church and how is each other doing And how might we love and support and bless one another? And so it means we need to be listening, listening with compassion. And then um, it also talks about equality. 2 Corinthians 8, 14 and 15 says this, At the present time, your plenty, talking to one of the churches, will supply what they need, the Jerusalem church, so that in turn their plenty will supply what you need. So do you get that? There's going to be probably some times kind of roller coaster among any church where our resources go up, our resources go down, our opportunity and our ability um, to give goes up and down. The goal is equality as it is written. The one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. What in the world is that talking about? That's talking about back in the Exodus in manna, when manna was gathered. And the Lord gave just enough, the right supply, and they'd go out and gather. And so um, the idea here is that in God's kingdom, there's no lack of supply, but he may give it over here, and the need is over here, and the Lord wants that to be brought over here to level things out. What is the equality? It's not um, socialism saying that, or, you know, other ideologies that would say everybody should have an equal amount. But actually what it's saying is whatever the Lord entrusts to you, you've been stewarded with. And so now you look for the need so that you can supply 
wherever it's low right now because at another time you might be low and need that supply brought over here. And why does the Lord do that? What? And I'm not just doing some dance moves up here. What he's doing is he's teaching us that we are interdependent. We all need some lessons on um, generosity. We all need some lessons in humility. And the Lord gives us different opportunities at different times so that we can all grow in, up into Christ and grow into his character. Isn't that beautiful? His design is just amazing. All right. So love, unity, blessing each other, the benefits of sharing kingdom resources. Verse 12 says this, this service that you perform, so giving of this um, gift, is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it's also overflowing in many expressions of faith to God. And so when we're giving our kingdom resources, that we're primarily talking about treasure, we're talking about money here, but we also have the um, our time, and we have our talents that we steward, as well as our treasures. So when we're sharing these things, what happens? Well, people's needs are met so that they're not... If you have been hungry, and you are hungry for days, are you thinking about going out and sharing the gospel with somebody? You're probably just thinking about your hunger pains. There's certain things that we need just to exist and um, so the Lord wants the, our basic needs met. He doesn't want us to be um, to become, you know, like uh, lavish and uh, indulgent, self-indulgent. But he wants our basic needs to be met so that we can be about mission. All right? And so the basic needs get met. The mission carries on in Jerusalem as well as these other places. The hearts go out to the givers. And so love is reciprocated, unity. Also, it says... In here, the, um, their hearts, and in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you. So do you get that? They're going to start praying for one another. Well, what happens when somebody prays for you is God sends his grace. And so what a blessing. I mean, even more than money coming to you is God's grace is coming as they start praying. So you start to receive these blessings of being prayed for. And also, God gets thanked. His name gets honored. And so, um, this stirring up of thankfulness and God's glory in the earth. Now, Gold Avenue Church. We have been a church over our timeline, over our history, that where we have also, we've received. We've been on the receiving end. We've also been on the giving end. So, I want to remind us of some of the ways we've received help. We've received help from other local churches. West End was our parent church for many years. And even now, we have this space to meet in without paying rent based on their generosity and their loving support, right? Also remember that these chairs, like, what was it, $35,000 worth of chairs got donated here? This carpet that we enjoy walking on and dancing on and um, fellowshipping on, and sometimes we have meetings and eat food in here and whatever. This carpet was a gift from Campus Ministries, $10,000. And how much did the carpet cost? $9,996. It got covered, right? So we've been on the receiving end. Well, we also were on the giving end. So our deacons have set up these six um, offerings. Remember, we call them offerings. 
six things that we, places, opportunities that we give over the course of the year beyond our tithes. Our tithes come to Gold Avenue Church, but these offerings, what do they go to support? We get to give to things like the Benevolence Fund to help people who maybe are hungry or who are having some financial needs that the church can come alongside, the mercy and compassion, the justice needs, right? We're so grateful. We we love giving to the Benevolence Fund, and we've watched those givings just keep coming and coming. You are a generous people. You love giving towards people's needs and helping. You also give to the Kids Life Bible Club, helping to bring the good news to the kids in the neighborhood. We give to Bridge Street House of Prayer. We not only give an offering, but we also have the privilege that we have this building to use. And so on Wednesday afternoons, they're doing hip-hop and... Uh, where is Kay? Oh, she's not here. All right. Well, uh, hip-hop and breakdancing class on Wednesday afternoons. Now, I'm telling you, I went last Wednesday, and it was fun. And um, praise God that we get to be on the giving end and having fun while we're trying to support the ministry of resurgence, which is really, from what I understand, really swelling in the opportunity to help with after-school programming. And so isn't it wonderful that the Lord helps us to give Matthew's house the other way, missionary support. We are a church. Have you thought of that? That we can be models, that we could be generous because he says it's not about the amount, it's about your heart posture. If it's a if it's a willing gift, then it's an acceptable gift. And so what a beautiful thing. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. That word cheerful comes from the same root word as the word hilarious. I love that. That's why I love this picture. I think that's a hilarious smile. And anyway, and it made me laugh this week. And so I thought, well, if it makes me laugh, maybe it makes you laugh too. To think about, I want to be walking around going, yeah, yeah. Because I get to give. And we get to give. And we get to see God's glory. And we get to see people giving thanks to God. We're going to, if you sow generously, then you reap generously. And it's fun to give whatever you got. And so I'm going to ask Victoria to come up here. I asked if um, she'd be willing to do this. It's coming to my mind, so I'm going to just ask her to come up here. I don't know, Jackie, you want to come too? All right. You girls got an idea about something hilarious and fun to do, so tell us about it. Um, A few weeks ago, we had this idea to have our – so we both help out with Gold Rush, um, the youth group for high schoolers and middle schoolers that meets on Tuesdays. We have a small group of girls who we meet with every week, and we thought it would be fun to just get together, have some community. Um, We baked, we had cocoa, we did our nails. Like, we just spent time having fun together um, over at my house and just just to be in community. So, Jackie, do you have something to share? Yeah, I just thought it was really fun, too, to um, do something not – we get together, you know, obviously at church, but it was really great to, like, be outside of church and, like – be in the neighborhood and like getting together and just doing something non-traditional, you know, and using our resources to to love on others. So, so um, these girls gave an offering that was worship. They were worshiping the Lord yesterday. Their lives is an offering. Whatever resources the Lord had given them, helping, blessing, and um, I don't know, but I'm guessing that if any of the participants. Um, were here, they'd probably be saying some things about thank you. 
right? And um, if you're doing it in a way that also whatever you're doing for the glory of God, then people start to recognize this is this is their God and this is our God and he is good, right? Thank you. Ah, uh, all right. One more thing. Um, yeah, we can clap. Praise God. Remember last week I told you that it was interesting and I hadn't expected it, but that um, as I was reading about tithing, that there was this connection to revival. And that actually in the Old Testament, um, at times of reform and revival, is when the tithes came in in their fullness. And then as that would wane, they would also see a spiritual, a decline in their spirituality as well. So revival and giving, they're connected. This past Thursday night... We, you know, we've been praying, and many churches have been praying for revival in our region. 10,000 people were over at Res Life um, gathered together to pray for revival and to hear how we might work together as churches in the mercy and kindness gifts to bring the peace to our city. There were over 700 churches represented. R.T. Kendall's book on tithing, he said this, The principal hindrance to the advancement of the kingdom of God is greed. It's the chief obstacle to heaven-sent revival. And he goes on to say this, I believe it's safe to say that there is no continuous revival without hilarious or cheerful giving. And I fear no contradiction. Wherever there is hilarious giving, there will soon be revival. The the City Fest organization, part of what we're working along with in prayer and prayer training, have three initiatives for this city, ways that they seek to serve the peace of the city and the needs of the city while hoping to share the good news of the gospel in an event that will culminate in September but hopefully have long-lasting impact on our churches. Because what we're seeing is the churches are starting to love each other and work together. Somebody got up and said, this event and all that's going on is costing $1.7 million. And $1.3 million have already been given. Friends, that is hilarious giving. And I believe it's very cheerful giving. And you think, well, is that stewardship? And I can't remember, I couldn't, I was talking to Dane about this. In the past week, with all the books that I've been perusing through, somewhere along the way, There was this statistic that in the United States, if you look at all church budgets and add them up, that it cost about, I think it said, a million dollars per convert. Whereas if you compare other countries, that number is much down. All right? So actually, in reality, if you want to look at how much is going into church budgets and how many people are actually making profession of faith and how many people, new converts, are being baptized— Actually, again, friends, I want to say the Holy Spirit's doing something in this church. That we have this many people that are taking profession of faith class in a church of this size. Praise God for that. Right? The good news is going out. But this is an organization that is working in a movement, I believe, of the Holy Spirit to bring churches together. And again, one of those hilarious things that, um, Neil, actually, you pointed this out to me on Thursday night, is that this church invested money in a prayer training. And some of you took three weeks of vacation over a year's time to be trained as prayer ministers 
And the kind of crazy, I think you said the word crazy, or I'd say hilarious thing about this, is that somehow the Lord used this little church to be half of the prayer ministry people across the front of this great big church sanctuary on Thursday night as we had the altar call and people just kept flooding forward for prayer and saying, I, I am a Christian, but I want to be more of a, I want to know more of God and I want to live for him. Like people were confessing their sins and just saying, I want to live right. And I want to, I want to be holy and I want to have a more deep, meaningful relationship with God. And friends, so much of that is about not only our in the word and prayer, but he's talking about sowing and reaping. And if we sow and we give our finances, actually it's a sign of our heart, and we're going to be given everything we need for abundant ministry, abundant life, and we're going to just have incredible joy, incredible joy in the journey. And so how do we get to the point of being cheerful, hilarious givers? Actually, I want to say, we look to the one who did it first, Jesus himself. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. He who had everything, the treasures and the riches of heaven, he gave them up to come and lay down his life because, Billy, he loves you. Lori, he loves you. Marty, he loves you. Anna, he loves you. And I could go, Ryan, Hazel. Elaine, I just could go through each one of you and say, he loved you. He loved you enough to lay down his life for you. He was, I think, hilariously joyful for the joy set before him. What was the joy? Being able to be in this tight, intimate relationship with you. He's crazy about you. And he invites us to be crazy about him, about one another, and about reaching the lost. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for who you are and the way that you've designed us to be stewards of your kingdom resources, would you continue to raise us up and and teach us to love you generously, to serve others with excellence and graciousness and um, fun. Lord, um, I just thank you for the ways that you're doing that. And I pray that as we're faithful, that you would just continue to give us more opportunities um, along the way. In Jesus' name. Amen.